In today's Chains Through Pain podcast episode, we sit down with Candy Lowe. She battled homelessness as a teenager, had her first son at the age of 16, battled addiction, overcame all of that, created an amazing business, and today is a success. Here's her story. Let's get started. I am so excited to introduce the guest today on the Chains Through Pain show, episode number 85, the one, the only, Candy Queen. B. Baker. Uh, what painful event changed your life? What painful event changed yeah. my life? <laughs> yeah. Was it one or was it multiple or was it a series or what it, are we talking about? I mean, I think a series throughout my life, honestly, but it's like one of those things you got to get hit over the head a couple of times to understand what's going on. Yes. You know? Yes. Um, I would say when I was younger, you know, my mom uh, handed me my first uh, uh, Percocet and that was- How, how old were you? I was 12. Oh, I've got some similarities there. Yeah. And that was her way of dealing with my trauma um, because I have a lot of trauma from when I was younger and her way of dealing with the fact that she let a man into our lives and he abused me and my brother so like she didn't know how to deal with that on a sober spectrum she's always you know used uh drugs and stuff to cope so I think for her she's like well this works for me you know this numbs my feelings and those bad feelings so I'm gonna give it to my daughter because she won't shut up and she she you know she's got issues And um, now that I think about it, my issues were, you know, just, I cried a lot. Um, I didn't, I didn't feel loved, which, you know, when you grow up in a trauma-based home, you don't feel loved. And I was, I was a very promiscuous young kid and, you know, it was not, so for her, her to deal with that, because I, I wanted to go to therapy. I wanted to talk to people. Like I wanted to figure out what the hell's going on with me. And in our household, it wasn't very, it wasn't like that. It was more, you know, shut up, deal with it, bury it in the back of your head and don't tell the family because I didn't know. I was raised by my great grandparents and then she took us away from my great grandparents and moved us over here to Tucson. And from there, it just, you know, it wasn't, she didn't know how to be a mom she she you know coped with things differently than my grandparents did and it was just a whole nother world and it was me and my brother raising ourselves basically so when these feelings started coming up she's like here take a pill here take a pill and of course how do I didn't know I thought it was like a magic pill and I was like wow this made everything go away I feel great (laughs) I bet gee whiz 12 years old and taking those and just like la la land wow and you know you just I mean I was between 10 or 12 honestly my (laughs) there's still so much in there it's so clouded um I was young I was very young and that was her way of uh dealing with my trauma because she didn't want to deal with her trauma so therefore you know it was that was one uh, turning point in my life. I knew at the moment when she handed it to me that it wasn't, uh, it wasn't for me. Like my spirit was like, my soul just like rejected it. And I did throw up because it was too much. 
And um, again, I didn't know any of this stuff. But in the moment, for about an hour, I felt bliss. I didn't feel, Mm. I didn't feel, you know, all those thoughts and, and, and everything coming and surging up to my brain. Yeah. You know, I mean, you, you're a recover, you, you know, you've recovered. So yeah. Yeah. For, so for you many, many, many things. Absolutely. But one thing I wanted to mention was is that I think the biggest thing that I've learned from exactly what you're sharing is that the acceptance that we need to have through our recovery is understanding that our parents did the best that they knew how to do, even if we don't agree with it, right? That's just the tools that they had. And that's the solution that in your situation that your mom provided, which, you know, however dysfunctional and unhealthy it was, uh, letting go and accepting that and forgiving not only her, but yourself for, for living through that, that allows you to get to where you are now. And I think that's part of why you're probably as successful as you are and, and made your way through that challenge in your life. So um, yeah, thank you so much for sharing. Uh, so another question that I would like to ask you is describe your childhood and, and your parents outside of that. So you mentioned your, your great grandparents raised you. How did, how did they end up taking you in through that scenario. I'm just a little bit curious about that. So, yeah, and they were on the old side. So they they came from the Great uh, Depression, you know? They came, like, so this is why I have an old soul and I get along with older people. Um, My mother was given up by her mother. So her mother, my great-grandmother, my grandmother, uh, which my great-grandparents, those are her parents, right? Okay. She gave my mother away to them. Well, she was actually going to give her up for adoption. And this is a story that my mom told. My family doesn't talk about this. I've tried to ask my grandma. She refuses to talk about it. Um, she was she was born in a Phoenix hospital. And I guess, you know, my grandma or my grandfather got wind that you know, my grandma didn't, my great grandparents got wind that my grandma didn't want my mom. Um, so they went and picked her up. So they, I guess they raised her for a little bit. And then I guess my mom was curious. And again, I'm only speaking from what tidbits are given to me, because again, the family's so hush hush about stuff. So, um, my mom went to go live with her mom and it was just tumultuous. She got abused sexually, emotionally, mentally. Um, uh, she just did not do well when she lived with her mother. And then she had half siblings. Um, and then she had a, a half sibling brother that uh, also abused her. And then she just like started getting out of hand. And my grandmother was like, I'm sending you back to your grandparents. So then she went back to uh, my great grandparents. She lived there and then she had my brother first and then she had me, but she didn't know how to be a mother. And my great grandparents, um, as amazing as they were, they didn't know how to control her. They, they just felt sorry for her. So my great grandfather, he babied her. He basically you know, enabled her actions. And my grandmother, well, she took care of us. My great-grandmother, she took care of us until my mom decided that 
she wanted to get married to um, someone from Mexico. And, you know, everyone was like, this is not a good idea. She's like, well, no, we're going to get married. He's going to get his papers and then we'll live a happy life. Well, that ended up being our abuser, me and my brother's abuser. Um, but yeah, she married him and she took us with, with them and moved us here to this town. So that's how I lived with my great grandparents. Wow. That, that, you know, and you think, okay, so now you're a mom and mm-hmm. myself, I'm a father mm-hmm. and the choices that I had to make to break the cycle the toxic cycle of the history of family and and how I was raised. And then the same applies to you. And so what you described there, I'm curious, how, what was it that, that you applied to your own parenting skills? You said, you know what, this is where I draw the line and I'm going to change. What's one of the most significant things that you decided to change as, as, as a parent? So I got pregnant at 16. No, I got pregnant. Yeah, early 16. And then I had my son at 16. Um, I I honestly did not know how to be a mom. I didn't. I mean, I was a trauma based child. Um, All I did was all I wanted to do was party, be promiscuous. Um, I didn't, I didn't want to be a mother. I mean, when I found out I was pregnant, I thought my life was over. And, you know, my mom thought it was the greatest day of our lives. um, Because she knew she would get more food stamps and more benefits from the state. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) So, so for me, it was a burden. Obviously, I'm 16. What the hell am I going to do? I didn't have a good relationship with his father. Um, we ended up separating. He he ended up just being non-existent, and um, and it was just like when I think back, and this is a really good question, Red, because I've thought about this like many times. Okay. Like, what would I have done different at sixteen? And I can't even give you that answer because what would a sixteen-year-old do? Go to school, <laughs> go do sports, have fun with their friends, have a boyfriend, and go to the movies, (laughs) you know, and, and even though I did that, I think I did that to an excess because I was more upset um, because I, I did, you know, contemplate abortion. I did contemplate uh, adoption and my mom, she was a narcissist. So like she had this grip hold on me where anything I did made me feel bad and guilty and, you know, just like, no, that's wrong. No, you can't do that. So when it came to having the child, she was like, no, you're having the child. Like you're going to give birth. You're going to have him. And not that I love my son to death, but in that moment, like you, you don't know what to do. Right. So what I have learned from that, what I have done differently is I let my children lead themselves to a point because, you know, they're still children. Um, and let them make their own mistakes because my children are hard-headed just like me and they will uh, they will make some choices and you know in the back of my head I hear myself and I think to myself that's not me that's my mother being the narcissistic abuser and I'm just like no no go ahead go ahead you want to ride that scooter up the hill and you want to ride it all the way down 
go for it. Go for it. Even if that means you're going to hurt yourself and get some stitches, because at the end of the day, you got to let your children be themselves. And if you're telling them no, and if you're telling them you can't do that, or you can't go there, you you know, at the end of the day, are they being themselves? And God gave us free will. So you got to let them be them. And and as yeah. a parent, it's hard. It's hard because <laughs> you want to just steer them in the right direction. Yeah, so yeah. that's been the biggest takeaway is, is letting my children be themselves and not not having to have my claws in everything they do. <laughs> I like to have the claws and everything. I, I, I could just picture that. Uh, I mean, you know, again, as a father, I think about my oldest son, he's he's 19 now and he's a freshman in college. And yeah, broke, broken marriage. His mom and I split a long time ago and we try to do our best and, and say, you know what? It's not about us. It, it's about the children and giving them all the opportunities that they, they need to be healthy and be in a safe environment to feel loved and, and have the ability to make some decisions on their own and feel good about it and be supported. And, you know, what I'm hearing is that that's what you've taken from your situation growing up. And it, if you just, if you take a step back and look at it, it's, it's amazing how we can do that. We have the choice in every single thing that we do. And we have these thoughts that enter our heads based on conditioning and our environment. And we react and, and go left or go right. And we have to deal with the consequences. And it's just amazing to hear someone who chose to do it differently and to it wasn't easy right yeah and again that's where the pain part of the change through pain right the pain at whatever that is for you is different for someone else but it's your pain it's how you deal with it and how you move forward and getting up every single day and being like i'm not going to give up and i'm going to keep trying to be better today than i was yesterday and that's just like a diet right like eating healthy yeah, I'm well. Speaking of the waffles, uh, I'm a baker for God's sakes. I know. You, have you made any Texas shaped anything yet? Uh, sprinkles. So, like, like these little fondant, like, not a lot of Texas stuff, but yeah. Well, since uh, you know, I'm from Texas and everything, maybe, maybe uh, you could make a special Texas something. Let's see. Uh, let's see. Chocolate chip cookies. That'd be kind of cool to make shape like Texas. I oh, guess okay. A sugar cookie. Totally easy. Yeah. Yeah. That That's your next uh, hot video that's going to have what, a million views on oh, or wherever. Uh, yeah. I mean, changing through pain and, and, and all that. I mean, we all have our story and, and it's what we do with our lives and how we decide that if we're going to accept what we were handed right or do we want to make it better do we want to become stronger and to see someone such as yourself and hear your story uh just hearing a little bit of the story but understanding how impactful that is on you and where you are now and the things that you've done to be successful i mean i've watched i've seen probably I don't know, 90% of, of your videos since we met, what, two, two and a half two years and a half, ago? Three years yeah, ago? Two, two and a half, a little over two and a half years ago. And this is the first time we've ever actually seen each other face to, well, eyeball to eyeball on, on a video or even. But we are like spiritually connected. I feel like 
in some other realm we're like related or something because it's like a connection that you can't explain like I have friends and I don't connect with them the way I connect with you you know what I mean it's crazy it, it really is and 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 we're all so blessed to have certain people in our lives at whatever point however long they stay and it's it's appreciating them for whatever it is that they're in your life for and even though we had never spoken before we'd never met before we stayed in touch for some reason you know that something greater than us kept us in touch and and here we are having this conversation and you're going to be able to you know share this story with a lot, a lot of people and I think it'll be impactful uh, to them so I'm I'm grateful for that and and for your time and and I'm so happy for your successes and where you're at and and I don't really bake. I just go and buy the little generic roll of cookies. It's already like pre-cut. And then I put them on the thing and then I put the oven on and 13 and I mean, a half. Technically you're baking the dough. So you're baking. Yeah. You know, and the, and it used to be to where it was, it was luck if any of the dough made it into the oven after oh. I the package. You know, you hear these stories about the, what the salmonella or whatever, that does, I mean, that is doesn't that, really is that real, you know? Well, it, it, it is. I mean, it just really depends. There's, there's doughs that, the biggest thing about cookie dough is that it gets lodged in your intestines because it's not cooked. So the body can't break it down like it would cooked food. Okay. You know what I mean? Like if you were to eat a donut, it takes forever to break down. Even though it's cooked, the inside is still doughy. Ah. Hmm. So it's it's the dough that that just sets sits there and. <laughs> well, I I did change my diet. Uh, it's been it was two years in October. I've been plant based. Um, had a little bit of fish. Had a little bit of uh, venison. Met my dad. He's a hunter, and I have been so much healthier physically, mentally, spiritually. Uh, relationally now I have been doing all this other crazy work every single day to better myself but I mean I, I am not joking within a week after I changed my diet I was able to walk run ride so much further so much faster felt so much better recovered faster just in seven days I'm not exaggerating it is unbelievable and now you think two years later I mean like I'm 45, which I'm not an old man, but I'm, I'm running six miles a day and I'm biking 50 or so miles a week on top of that. I believe and it. I, I feel great. It, I, I great. went plant-based uh, last year and I mean, it was great. I mean, the only reason why I went plant-based was because I found out I had Hashimoto thyroidism. So um after like 15 years of misdiagnosis, uh, I found out that I had Hashimoto and mm -hmm. why I couldn't lose weight and why I struggled with my weight. And, you know, I should be on a gluten-free diet or if I'm going to eat any carbs, it needs to be at least once or twice a month. You know what I mean? Like it's a special gift. And, um, you know, I just went into this deep dive two years ago, like, you know, we've talked about this, uh, and just it's, it's hard because we're conditioned to eat sugar, this, this, and that. And 
again, you can eat that. You can, you just know that you're going to suffer the consequences later. And for me, it's uh, my thyroid and, or my, uh, my um, arthritis. So it, my whole hand will go numb if I eat too much bread or too much sugar. And, and that if you're a, you're a baker baking all this stuff, all these sugar coated delights. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Man. And you know, that would, that would, know that. that would be like me working in a brewery. I love beer, but I know I should not drink it. And so just that would be tough. Wow. So wow. now it's, so now it's just being more conscious, you know, more vitamins, more this. Now I no longer have Hashimoto woo, woo, because of my diet. I changed yes. my diet. Yes. My doctor said, what, what are you doing? Cause they prescribed me medication. Pills. Ah, <laughs> yep. <laughs> no more pills. We don't need them for well, certain things. Yes. For certain things. They, yes. never, they never, they never worked for me. And, you know, because I, I'm a recovering addict, I, I just didn't want my children to see me. Like I already had this, you know, trauma in my head where I don't want people because I'm self-conscious. I don't want people to see me popping pills. You know what I mean? So therefore I'm like, I can't, I can't do that unless it's like a vitamin that I'll do that. You know what I mean? So, um, I changed my diet up. Uh, I started taking more vitamins, um, and, and it went away. Now, will it rear its ugly head? 1000% if I intake too much sugar, too much bread. And I've just have to learn, you know, once a month, maybe I can eat a slice of cake and I'm a baker. So I have to taste stuff, but I'm not too excess. And that's because I've worked on a lot of my traumas and I've worked on a lot of my, you know, pains. So yeah. changing those habits really have just benefited to my skin glowing and, you know, losing weight and just having more energy. I thought the skin glow was the filter that you added for the video. <laughs> <laughs> that's, there's no filter. It's the ring light. I have a yeah, ring light. I see a little something there. There's a filter there. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like, just it is amazing to me what I've discovered for myself. And obviously what, what you're sharing is and the stories that I've heard, the books that I've read and, and podcasts I've listened to, et cetera, the power of our minds to dictate Number one, our gratitude, our, our happiness, right? And how we respond to things and, and the, the, how we can heal our own bodies. Because to your point, I, uh, I blew out my knee, as they call it, in high school. Mm. And I've had that ever since. I was, I was 17, 16 or 17. You know, so it's been a few years. And it somehow healed itself to where I could continue on. And I, I started cycling instead. Believe it or not, it was actually easier on, on my knee, all even though all the pedaling. And then in January of 2019, I just tore it completely, all the, the, the ligaments in there, right? So it was literally moving like this. Mm -hmm. and it pops mm -hmm. out of place and it, it hurts. And I thought I was done. And so mm -hmm. I was like, I gotta have surgery. And they're like, well, it may or may not fix it. It's going to cost all this money. I was like, well, I don't have that money. I don't have insurance. Long story short, I just said, you know what? That's, I don't care. That's, I'm, I'm not accepting that. 
And so I threw a sleeve on and I committed to walking every single day as, as much as I could and had time that would allow. And here it is uh, earlier this year in 2021, I was able, one day I forgot to put my sleeve on and I went for like a seven mile, very fast walk. And I got back and I was like, I forgot to put my sleeve on, but it didn't even hurt. It didn't pop out of place or anything. And, and, and your diet had changed already, right? Yes, yes. And roll forward. Uh, there, this year, I started cycling again. It used to pop every pedal stroke. It would pop out of place. And it, I can pedal 50 miles a week with no issues faster than I've ever pedaled before when I was racing and training every day. And By I the way, there's, there's science behind self-healing with diet. Just, I mean, yeah. you know this. Yeah. And diet of what you intake, you know, the, the nutrients, right? But the diet of what you intake into your mind mm -hmm. right? mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. the things you watch and hear and who you surround yourself with and mm -hmm. the gratitude, the positivity, all those things, it really, and the meditation, and the stretching, all that, it really does impact you. That's why the things that I share, it's not one simple quick fix solution and it takes no. time, but it's like disciplined dedication. To you gotta change, do the work. You know, you gotta do the work. Yeah, you gotta, what, what do they say? You got to uh, go through, you grow through what you go, go through. I yeah. think it's something yeah. like that. I heard, you, know? you, grow, you grow through, yeah, you grow yeah. through it. Yeah, and and but it's just again, like running a business, right? If you want to be successful, you're gonna work your ass off. But if you're not working on all of this and what's going on in your trauma and your past and whatnot, sure you're a successful business owner, but yeah. are you really successful? Like where it counts, you know? Because did you really change that pain or did you mask the pain and just create a, a persona and a successful business yeah yeah was it a form of distraction because you didn't really want to face oh yourself? well I mean I've done that I've, I've submerged myself into my work just to not hear the voices in my head and not you know to uh, to avoid family and, and and toxicity I'm like yeah no I'm working back you know yeah the, the so voices. I changed that routine yeah. <laughs> cured my pain not cured they're always going to be there it's just yeah. a it's just a something that we're always going to live with you know I I I don't like to look at it as I cured my traumas and I cured my pains because they're they're going to live inside you and in your body forever it's just how much are you going to let them affect you yeah yeah uh let me ask you one last thing let's end on this um how do you define success for yourself at this point in your life? I sometimes, you know, have to step back and just be like, my life is completely 360. And before I would have defined it as, you know, being an influencer, you know, working with big companies and um, being a successful business owner. Uh, now it's having mental stability, <laughs> having a very supportive and great partner, husband, 
and just my kids overall having a better childhood than I did. That's success to me. Well, I mean, what else, what else is there, right? End of the day, it's, I mean, the business aspect and having all that is just the cherry on the top, but I, I don't think there's longevity in having a successful business. If you cannot change your pain into the fuel that you need it for. And I've, I've interviewed, I've talked to, and I've seen firsthand a lot of millionaires that are not happy because they've never worked on that pain. They've never, they never took the step to make those changes that they needed. And that was one aha moment for me. And I was just like, Ooh, Ooh, they're successful, but they like hate this, the way they look, or they hate the, the way their families, you know, are, and they hate this and this and that. And I was like, Ooh, I don't want, I don't want to be like that. I don't. Mm, mm -mm. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's awesome. I mean, just the most recently starting over, uh, for me at 42 years old and, and, you know, rolling forward three, three years almost. I just was like, what is going on? When am I going to catch a break? When am I going to grow up, right? Um, I'm supposed to have all these things and, and that defines success, the house, the wife, the kid. Well, I have the kids, but, uh, you know, thank, thank. You uh, have the house, you have so, the kids, you have left, everything. Right. But it was, it wasn't until I minimized and I sold the majority of my belongings and because I had to. And I just had to sit in quiet with myself and my thoughts. And nobody was here to, to get me up every morning and to push me and to motivate me. It was just me, myself, and I. And once I was able to sit with that and realize that I like me, I, I'm okay with my journey, I accept the things that I've done. I forgive myself, those that have hurt me. It got me to this place of peace. And I am so content with having nothing, you know, outside of the, the normal, you know, condition that we believe in. I mean, believe in. So a lot of people are not comfortable having nothing. And I think I've been homeless many times as a teen mom, as a young mom. Um, when I got older and I think that helped me in the future now with realizing that even if I don't have nothing and I'm living out of my car, I'm still alive. I can still work to get more things if I want to in the future. But at the end of the day, uh, being homeless or having nothing is really not that scary. It really isn't. And I think society pushes that on us so we can be workaholics um <laughs> and not do what we want to do because we're right. so afraid of just having minimal or just not having a lot and we are a society of consumerism unfortunately i mean i'm guilty of it i i love buying stuff for my business but at the end of the day if it was all gone i'd be okay and a lot of people do not have that mindset because they don't, they're, they've either never been homeless or they've never had nothing or they've had nothing. And they were so scared of that, that they don't ever want to return to that instead of understanding, like, 
it's going to be okay either way. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and the last thing that I'll, I'll, I'll say, because it, it just made me think of it, you know, I downsized and <laughs> I bought a minivan cash, right? And I converted it into something that I can sleep in and travel and whatnot. I've done some of that. And I think of the Chris Farley skit on Saturday Night Live, right back in the 90s, you know, and it's like, you'll have plenty of time to live in a van down by the river when you're living in a van down by the river. And that's basically where I am in my life. And I'm so content and happy. And it's just hilarious that that's one of my favorite skits. And now I'm, I'm actually living it, but I'm not actually living in the van, but it's just, it's but crazy. you have a van in case. I have a van. I'm ready if if the stuff hits the fan, I can just go get in the van. <laughs> I mean, again, you have to change in order to fight that pain. It's it's yeah. a battle. Are you willing to win or are you willing to lose? Yeah, yeah, and every, everything right now is I see it as a win. No matter what happens, I try to. Even learn. if you lose, it's not a losing battle. It's a lesson of what you should not do. Yes. Yeah. And I've got a lot of those. Me oh, do. <laughs> I am done with those for a while. I want some. Uh, I want some of the other stuff. I want. I want the greener grass on the other side of the fence, just for a little bit. So. All right. Well, awesome. Thank you so much. Uh, I'm honored to have a celebrity oh, you know, stop it. on the podcast with what is it? You have 3 billion views now on all of your social media, whatever it is. I don't know. But uh, yeah, check, definitely folks need to check you out on TikTok and YouTube and Instagram and Facebook and probably any other social media platform, right? I, where else are you? Uh, well, I try to keep up on all those major platforms. Um, those are the main ones, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. Uh, YouTube, I don't post a lot anymore only because me and YouTube are going at it. Um, uh, TikTok is my main platform where people could see more of me and like my daily life as a baker and running a business. Instagram is more like tutorial and funny videos of being a baker. And Facebook is more pictures of the finished product and stuff I do. Okay. And, and your handle is the same everywhere? Mm -hmm. and, and tell us what that is. Candy Queen B Baker. All right. Well. <laughs> and it's not an egotistical thing. It, it came no. out of something else. <laughs> okay. Well, you, you'll, you'll be delighted to see all the amazing things that uh, Candy creates. I'm, every day I, I see those videos and, and I'm blown away and, and I get really hungry <laughs> every single time. I just want to throw a big party or something with it with everything. Yeah, so you can have all these treats. I know. You're just so super creative. It's just amazing how, how your mind creates these, these amazing because things. Because I changed my pain. Mm. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Appreciate it. You have a lovely day. Enjoy the rest of your week. And uh, I know we'll be in touch soon. And, and again, thank you so much for being on the podcast. And uh, I know others will get great information from it and learn and, sure. grow and, and just do better in their lives and, and learn from our stories. So thank you so much. All right. Bye, Brad. Bye. Right, have a great day.